Yeah, you know, we have uh, a number of guests with us as well. I'm just, uh, maybe we could bring on Brian from London right now and he could introduce himself and also address some of the points that Daniel was making and uh, his knowledge of uh, Al-Quds Day as well, what he has observed. Hi, Brian, how are you doing? Hi, Brian. Hi there. Well, first thing to clear up, it's Brian of London, not in London. I'm of London, London. okay. But I did grow up in London and um, basically I'm here because you know, the the Al-Quds Day become, became a very big uh, event in London. London's a, a strong, it's a strong launching point for for Islamization of Europe. And, um, you know, I, I, I saw the writing on the, wall, the walls quite some time ago. And I moved my family out of London for, not because of Al-Quds Day, obviously, and not, not, because I'm running away from anything, because I had to be here, because this is Israel. This is, you know, this is where indigenous people uh, who are Jewish, if you're, if you're Jewish, you're indigenous to England, Israel, and that's not England. And so I came here. You know, the Al-Quds Day thing, it's such a weak-minded uh, idea. For example, they pick that, which day do they pick to do this on? Which is the most significant day of Jerusalem in the Islamic calendar. Of course, it's the one the Jews celebrate. They don't actually have an original day. Al-Quds Day shadows Jerusalem Day. It's quite mm -hmm. obvious. And, and that's just, it's, it's yet another pointer to the fact that this is not, theirs is an entirely replacement ideology. Uh, what they are doing is, so we have, a, we have Jerusalem, we have it, 4,000, 5,000 years of, of history. It's, it's right throughout Tanakh. Even the Christians adopted that as the central part of their religion, because of course, most of their story is Jewish in origin and happened in Jerusalem. So, so what do they do? They have to replace it. They have to replace Christianity and Judaism. And that's what they do with Al-Quds Day. I, I, these days I like to I try and find some levity, you know, I try, but I mean, it's, it's hard when there's riots, there's rockets falling and all of that stuff. But we have to remember we're here, they're not. Now we've done some stupid stuff, getting control of the Temple Mount back and all of that sort of thing. But the reality is Israel is here and strong and Jews know where we live. That's phenomenal. After 2000 years, it's just incredible. Just incredible, uh, and getting stronger. I mean, we get, interview with we get to drink Warren. a beer. You know, this is Zionist okay. gold star beer in the Holy Land. What? What? Yes. What else? You know, they're out in the streets in London, screaming and shouting, rah rah. Tough. Get over yeah. it. You're After lost. all these thousands of years, we still have to justify. You know, justify our being, or justify that this is our land, and so forth. You know those uh, those Al Quds rallies. They're they're humongous. You know we, we've like we we're discussing last Wednesday. We've uh, we've of course been at the rallies here to counter them, and they get nasty. They get nasty. You know just just like everyone else, it starts off as oh it's just anti-Zionist, but you know we all know what it's really about. Really. No, it's obviously it, it's it's a core fundamental hatred because but but essentially it's projection. They hate themselves. That there's a deep inner pain uh, it's a bad system it's not a it, it doesn't it doesn't engender joy it doesn't bring life it doesn't 
spring progress or advancement and they turn that that it's an inner hatred they just turn it outward everything is hate filled um, whereas you know jerusalem day should be for us at least you know it's it's a day of joyous it's like we got it back uh, that's that's what we're celebrating we know what we're celebrating because we we've been here for so long yeah let me bring uh, daniel into this with uh, with us daniel so you're at the hotel yeah. and celebrating yom yerushalayim with thousands of jews yeah. uh, just last e i think it was last evening that uh arabs were throwing rocks down on the uh hotel area so what was done to restore order and make sure that Jews can be basimcha and joyous at the Kotel in huge numbers, waving the uh, the flag of Israel? What uh, what has happened that uh, made it possible for that? What tell us? The reality of life today is on Yerushalayim. Nothing is going to stop it. Arabs were arrested. Arabs were injured. Police knuckled down last night. They've, uh, they're holding themselves up. I'm sure they'll be out tonight for, uh, you know, they're trying to separate as much as they can where people are walking from the purple through the robber and not maybe going through Shah Shem to try to minimize uh, the, the number of Jews walking through the massive case. But outside of that, um, the, the Arabs understand, you know, they may scream and rant and rave and, and throw stones at police on certain days of the year and maybe this year is worse than previous years. But there's a certain reality that they can't avoid. And that is, there are Israeli police, Israeli border patrol police, there are um, 600,000 Jews living in the capital city of Israel, whether they like it or not, and there ain't nothing they can do about it. So, you know, those that don't like it will eventually leave, and those that are gonna realize that life is good under the Jews, and there's a certain number of the, that Arabs that know the life is good under the Jews. You know, there were 3,000 Arabs asked a few years ago who that is prefer to be under. They prefer to be under Hamas, PA, or Israeli Jewish rule. 63% prefer to be under Jewish rule. Does that mean they all love us? No, but they know their life is good under the Jews. Those that want to stay here are welcome to stay. Those that want to be violent and show hatred, then there's no shortage of Arab countries around. This has never been an Arab country there has never been a capital city here in the Arab world called Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, even the British and the world recognize this. The world has unfortunately changed its tune, but we don't have to go too far back. I'm not even talking Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. From that point of view, the whole thing belongs to us. But let's just go back only a hundred years. Oh, we just lost him. He'll call back. So, Brian, let me ask you. You brought a good point. You showed your beer. That was good. So, uh, you know, I remember reading... Uh, a uh, book by Tony Robbins, uh, one of his uh, one of his motivational books, and he wrote about framing. Uh, so he said, you know, you can go to a party. It's a large party gathering with many people. And somebody takes a picture of a couple of guys that are in the corner somewhere at the back uh, fighting. Now, there's thousands of people having a phenomenal time, but somebody took a picture and then mm. all of a sudden uh, shared it all over the place. This is the party. Nobody was having a good time there. So tell us, you're you're having a everything beer at celebration. In media, everything in the media revolves around framing. Um, Matty Friedman gives a grand, a fantastic presentation on this. He gives an example, and it's his example. Um, he says, you know, if you were to if you were to land in, in hi Daniel, hold on for one second, okay? In yes. 1917, 
and you would say, what the hell is wrong with Belgium? That you know that like the entire world is this is what did, what's wrong with the Belgians? Because there's a massive wall going right through the middle. But but you've got to you've got to zoom out. Israel, the entire world world's focus. We we're we're overrepresented in the media. That's for sure. It's like like there are more journalists in Israel at any given time, many many more than the whole of Africa. It's ridiculous. When we in some ways we're not that important, and we're over the we're way over the uh, over overrepresented, and that's the framing of the problem. And of course, you add to framing the just sheer benevolent the, the sheer evil of the media they're evil they want to destroy israel you know i see israel as like the the shining light of a nation an actual nation but the world's push from, from outside is, is this globalist idea to take away nations right what is israel israel is the is the shining example in the last uh, 70 old years you know there's been a few others created in europe bosnia kosovo you know this is not this is not what the world wanted either but but israel is the one example where a people who really have a connection to the land they came back made this land but they only exist because we're a nation we we are a coherent nation we've got our cultures we've got our language we've got our land We've got all the elements of indigeneity that we express here, even though we're all different skinned. And and again, we, we can do that with 20% Arab population here, as long as we pick the, you know, you cannot accept belligerent. You cannot accept people who want right. to kill you and who want to drive you off your land. But within that, as long as we're strong, we can live here and we do live here. And, and we've got a very, very good connection to the land. Like, you know, when I see all day today, I'm seeing pictures of fields on fire. Uh, it's something, Ryan, you've got to bring Ryan on. Ryan always said this to me, you know, indigenous people don't set fire to their own land. Who's setting the fires in Israel? Today? It's not the indigenous people. The indigenous right. people are putting out the fires. 100%. Maybe we could bring Ryan on as well. And uh, Ryan Bellarose, let's go with his uh, bio as well. Is uh, Ryan there? Here's Ryan. Ryan is the guy who brought me into the whole uh, the whole world of looking at Israel and Jews from an indigenous lens. And there he is. <laughs> Here's Ryan. Hey, guys. hey, Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Mayor? We're excellent. Excellent. When Corona's over, we could uh, go out for steaks. Oh, <laughs> I, I would definitely be in. Absolutely. I want some of those that that buffalo you. I, I saw you. I uh, back back before they threw me off Facebook. I remember seeing pictures of you. Too, okay, don't forget me when you go for the steaks. Okay. Oh man, I mean, we went for these. Uh, steak. steak. <laughs> yeah, Bali Lafa is a good yes. restaurant. So yeah, Mayor, I think that uh, like the reason, that, like one of the main reasons I even got involved in any of this is because the entire point of these these events like Al-Quds Day, and I, I do think Al-Quds Day is more of a symptom than the actual problem, but it is a huge symptom, yeah. is that 
Jews are like the only people that I've ever come across that are constantly delegitimized and constantly demonized. And people just kind of shrug their shoulders because the unfortunate truth is that there's a lot of Jews that are involved in that demonization, right? So you have organizations like If Not Now who just tweeted, you know, how inspiring it was to see this crowd of Palestinians fighting for their liberation. And the video shows these Palestinians, and or I think they were actually Arab Israelis, to be honest, chanting, you know, bomb Tel Aviv. Yes. And it, it's like, it, it's just kind of mind-blowing. And, you know, like, I've been there. I've gone to I've gone to Toronto to to hang out with you guys when you were counter protesting Al Quds, and you guys were the only Jewish organization that bothered to show up. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, you guys take a lot of shit. Like you, there's a lot of people that claim that you guys are extremist and that you know you don't represent the Zionist community. But when push comes to shove, you guys are the ones that showed up when Ken O'Keefe, the Holocaust denying turd shows up in Toronto and starts bad-mouthing Jews and, and Holocaust denying, you guys were the ones that showed up. And, you know, like, everyone goes to the walk for Israel, and that's cool. I mean, that's a nice way to show that you support Israel. But on Al-Quds Day, they don't show up. They don't show up to say, hey, you know what? We're Jews, and we support Israel, and we don't support this anti-Semitic nonsense. And, and I think that the biggest problem is that we don't get enough of, we don't get enough of the, the average Jewish person like, you know, the people that are in the center, you know, the the, the so-called center Zionists and the lefty Zionists, I, I honestly don't see too many of them. And it, as, a, as a person who just thinks of this as a moral and ethical struggle, that really does bother me because it's like I had somebody actually yesterday email me and tell me that I shouldn't go on this program because you're on it. Right, and I know you got an email saying that they weren't going to watch because I'm on it. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Take care. Yeah. And you know that the, the one thing too that I that I've always said, and we we actually had this conversation, is that when we look at our side and their side, like obviously both sides should have a spectrum. You're going to have your, you know, your less involved people all the way up to your hardcores, all the way up to your extremists. But the big, the, the funny thing that I've always thought about this entire struggle is you look at our extremists. And it's guys like you guys, guys yeah. like me. You know, we're not talking about killing all the Arabs and pushing them in the sea. We're not talking about destroying all of the Arab countries in the Middle East. We don't do that. We literally advocate for the Jewish people, and we advocate for the right of Israel to exist. 100%. Meanwhile, the other side, their extremists, are literally talking about killing Jews. Absolutely, they are. And, oh, yeah. and you know, like, so... That, that's why, like, I, I don't know, I, I'm starting to get more and more frustrated. You can see the gray in the beard now and in the hair. I mean, it, it's it's just mind-boggling to me. And, I like, I, it's frustrating, too, because, I mean, I want more people to see this. I want more people to watch this show and other shows that are talking about this stuff because I just spent the last six days listening to the most abject bullshit about Sheikh Jarrah, which is actually Shimon Hadzidik, and yeah. I had to listen to people, and some of them even Jews. One of them on my own Facebook page is a Jewish history professor. And they were talking about how it was evil and murderous for Jews to reclaim land that they legally owned and were ethnically cleansed from. Mm. Like, think about that. Like, it, it's, on, what, on what planet is it not considered justice for someone who was ethnically cleansed to return to their ancestral land and achieve self-determination and not and you guys didn't murder everyone when you did it. You bought 
land. When you first, when the Zionists first came back to rejoin the Jews that were never that never left, they didn't just show up and start taking shit. They bought it legally from the Ottomans and usually at extremely, extremely highly raised prices. So it's just like as, as a person just reading this, as a as a non-Jewish person who's just looking at this from the outside looking in, who's been blessed and lucky enough to meet some Jewish people, and some of them have become just as close to me as my own family. I see this stuff and I get angry. Like I get genuinely pissed off. I'm actually sitting here right now seething because the last six days I've been watching this bullshit and I'm even seeing some Jewish people that are like, look how virtuous I am by calling down Jews who just want to live on their own ancestral land. Like, Yeah, but I want to do something better. I want to just join Brian and Israel and have a beer. <laughs> oh, dude, I would, I would be so in. There's those what? guys that are going to be wine. They're always going to wine. They're always going to wine. Please, we're going to have a beer when they want. They have Israeli beer. They even make Israeli scotch now. That's, they saw that. Oh, I really miss Israeli scotch. If you haven't tried milk and honey's uh, milk and honey's whiskey, it's not. You uh -huh. can't call it scotch. That's the one thing you can't okay. call it. It's, it's not scotch, but it is very, very good. And it, and what they found, of course, is that that all of this, like eighteen years and stuff. Turns out in a high humidity, hot climate, uh, the 18 years can be accelerated to six years and it's fantastic. So oh, wow. I, 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 they're, they're producing award-winning wow. whiskeys in Tel Aviv now. Jeru yeah. Actually, the edge of Jaffa. The Very nice place. Milk and honey. That's awesome. <laughs> I've heard of it. Wow. That's a great name too. <laughs> it really is. But, you know, you know like this is it. To, you know, to spend our time, this is why, the, you know, obviously the complaints about the left wing supporting the destruction of Israel, that's, that's all valid and, 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 and absolutely. And it is a huge problem, especially out in the diaspora. And, we, you know, we've got a few crazies here, especially in Tel Aviv. But the, 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 the point I try and make more often than not is... Um, they're really so angry because they're so impotent. They've just got no power left. I've always said this, you know, the BDS movement is a good example of this. Very few people, especially, you know, sort of the youth today who, who are polarized on both sides of this fight, they won't remember the 1970s boycotts when, you know, there were proper, those, those were boycotts. You know, entire company, Coke, was not in Israel. Um, car companies were not in Israel. There were no, uh, none of the oil companies, in fact, to this day, the petrol stations in Israel all have Israeli names. None of the big boys, Shell, BP, Exxon, they're not represented in Israel as, because those were the proper boycotts. Those were the Arab government-led boycotts, but those were broken because the gov American government eventually took action Estee Lauder was, you know, uh, taken to court. Uh, they fell away. And now, you know, especially last year with Trump and the, 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 the agreements we signed, it, they, they've evaporated. So what we're left with is this runt child of people singing and dancing in Tesco's in London. That's BDS. You know, you, they used to be able to command oil tanker, and now yeah. they've got some idiots in, in Toronto, you know, burning a flag and singing a crappy song and saying, Kaiba, Kaiba, Ariahud. Now, it's not that it's not serious, but, but 
you've just got to you've just got to put it on this totem pole of which is likely to drive us all out of our lap and it's not going to work and ryan also told me this and it's brilliant you know that for years they've been fighting the war of the the correct war that you would fight to get rid of a colonial invader what's happened is they've believed their own bullshit they've believed that we are colonial invaders and um if you believe we're colonial invaders you think a guerrilla warfare that just kills a few of us and it is terribly painful and ryan and i both you know we know people who have been murdered by these bastards but if you if you fight this little fight that's good enough to drive the british out of india and it'll drive the french out of algeria because they were colonial invaders and eventually they'll get pissed off and it will drive the americans out of afghanistan and iraq because eventually they won't be able to sustain these losses of their young children being killed in pointless wars in foreign lands that will never work here because we're not foreigners we're home and and right. it's such a huge difference and so they fight it by believing their own bullshit they're fighting the wrong war i don't think fortunately for us we're not going to be in a position to let them arm up to the extent where they would fight the war the correct way, the only way, because the only war that would work is, I mean, and they tried it in 1948 and 67 and so mm -hmm. on. They tried wars of total annihilation, but through the fact that it was our land and maybe some miracles, it didn't work then. But fortunately now we aren't facing except for Iran, except for nuclear armed Iran, and except for the Biden administration going back to, to the table with them. We're not facing that annihilatory war. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Uh, uh, during this whole Corona um, pandemic, that uh, the Jewish agency is saying that uh, they have never received so many requests uh, and interest in making Aliyah from uh, North America, for instance, uh, and you could just imagine that uh, uh, Jews who, many who are successful in business, uh, wanting to move to Israel, wanting to say, well, there's anti-Semitism here, plus there's uh, uh, Israel so successful also in how they dealt with the pandemic uh, and many other things, uh, and so much advancements in technology, we're gonna move there. You can imagine how much even more successful Israel becomes another nail in the coffin of the BDS. It would be like a, a one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Military-wise, it would be one of the strongest if everyone was to do it. Mean, can you imagine? No, you know, know what? what without say, without that the stress the and the tension, without mm -hmm. the stress, but this is the this is, this is the paradox. Without the stress and the tension, we'd be Canada. We'd be soft. We'd be terrified of our own shadows and, and arresting <laughs> pa pastors in the street. That's what happens right. yeah. when you don't have this fire lit up under your ass. And and so you know there is a tension. I can't say it's I can't say it's great to, to have rockets raining down on us, and we should have sorted that out. But the flip side is we figure out unbelievable solutions. I mean, it, the correct solution should have been to win a war rather than to. You know build better defensive weapons but we did build the better defensive weapon um it you can't have one without the other so so to say that israel's successful 
especially on the you know on the scale of the Middle East. Yeah, of course we are. But but I I'm you know there's some element to say that the tension is what drives some of that. Um, but yeah, you know it's it's not a paradise, that's for sure. Well, but comfort comfort is the enemy of identity. Like I think that when you look at the American Jewish community, you really see you know like these people that were there for years and years, they feel comfortable. And that takes them away from, you know, trying to fight harder for their people. They, they want to maintain that level of comfort rather than risk that level of comfort by, you know, advocating for their people. I mean, you saw it even with, uh, what was his name, Stephen Wise in World War II. Jews were literally being murdered in Europe. And rather than advocating for America to take in some of those people, he would just parrot whatever FDR said because he didn't want, he wanted to keep maintain his access to the White House. And his excuse was he was doing it for the Jewish community. Well, mm. allowing Jews to be murdered in the concentration camps is not what's best for the Jewish community. So that, and I think, Mayor, you, you and I have talked about this. The, the the big organizations that supposedly represent the Jewish community, like they, they see themselves as the government in exile for the Jews, you know, like federations. Yep. They don't ever stand up and, and speak out until they absolutely have to. And the problem is when you wait especially with like Al-Quds Day, this could have been nipped in the bud. This should have been nipped in the bud. Long time now ago. it's become entrenched. Yeah. Yeah. Right, 100%. Yeah. So, here's, right. so here's the quote again. <laughs> Maybe Brian wants to weigh in on this. Uh, an Al-Quds Day leader in Canada puts out a tweet, a picture of an Al-Quds Day event taking place in Iraq, and he says, here's the quote, from the land of Babylonia that dismantled the first Zionist regime, and they are today moving towards dismantling the last Zionist regime. Now, this person, who's a Al-Quds Day leader, regularly takes pictures of himself mm. with a leader of Naturi Karta, saying, I got nothing against Jews. I got Jewish friends. And, and, and the Zionist movement started in uh, the 1900s. All of a sudden, from the land of Babylonia that dismantled the first Zionist regime, and they are today moving towards dismantling the last Zionist regime. Well, that so-called Zionist regime that Babylonia uh, destroyed the temple, that was the Jews who came out of Egypt. That uh, after Moses, Joshua led them into the land of Israel. Go ahead, Brian. You know... The problem that you have is what are these people doing in Canada and what, you know, absolutely now I, I must admit, I'm, I, I'm a bit of a free speech extremist. I don't, I, I think censorship is, uh, is actually ter more terrifying. I, I'm, I would rather know what these people are saying and we're amplifying it. We're telling people what he said. That's, you know, that, that's the case here, but the, which what what we find is that western nations have an inability now to pick a side uh george gilder wrote a book the israel test and it's, it's such a simple moral question and the west has lost its moral framework melanie phillips writes about this a lot world turned upside down the, well, the west has lost its moral framework because it cannot distinguish between aggressor and aggress aggressed against you can't do that and, and 
So the entire language of Al-Quds, so anytime one of these people gets up and says any of these things, personally, what they're doing is they're using the West's freedoms, again, to bring down the West, because an attack on Israel from within a Western country like that is an attack on the Western. Everything about the West stems from this choice. Do you choose Israel or do you choose destruction of Israel? So, you know, the, 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 it's, the moral, it's the moral failure of these countries. Now, you've let these people in in large numbers. You've taken no action against them. I wouldn't mind if you were not clamping down on the free speech rights of people I like. It, it, that's the problem is that it's not applied. These people actually get treated with kid gloves. Very rarely do the authorities want to go near them because they're terrified of them. Uh, they're not terrified of Jews very often. Right. We have uh, Ron East uh, from Winnipeg we want to bring on to join us. Uh, you know, if our uh, doctor in the studio could bring him on and Ron could uh, could weigh in on the issue uh, uh, of Quds Day and uh, what's going on in Israel right now. Everybody's reading it and, uh, and Yom Yerushalayim. Uh, let's bring uh, Ron Easton, the Anapolic Zionist. Thank you for joining us from out west. Well, you and uh, Ryan, of course. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was uh, wonderful just sitting back and then hearing everybody um, speak and, and, you know, the knowledge here, you know, around the uh, table, so to speak, is great. Um, I want to address um, just a couple of things I've heard. Um, you know, I distinguish between us and them by saying, you know, that if you look at Jerusalem Day, it's, it's, it's a celebration of joy. If you look at Al-Quds Day, it's a celebration of hate. Um, if you look at many of our celebrations as compared to their celebrations, our celebrations are celebrations of hope. Celebrations of joy, celebrations of peace. You know, when you look at what they do, it's celebrations of hate, celebrations of destruction, extremism, genocide, ethnic cleansing. That's what they do, you know. And if you look at, at all the events that are transpiring, you know, and if you look at the history of the Arab-Israeli conflict, and that's the conflict in, in, in a nutshell. We extend our hand out again and again and again for peace. They extend their hand out again and again and again to murder us. And... And, and, and that's what we've faced uh, forever. You know, I've said to Mary before, um, Jew hate, anti-Semitism, whatever you want to call it, is uh, the most prevalent uh, epidemic there is in the world. Um, you know, Jew hate has been there forever. There is no vaccine. There's no inoculation for it. Um, it's been there and it will continue to be there. Um, why does the world jump up, you know, when four families um, who are squatters in homes that belong to Jewish people are being evicted. Why is the world jumping up in arms when this happens every day around the world to many other people? Because it's Jews that are involved. You know how many school children were destroyed, bombed, murdered yesterday in Afghanistan? 68 school children maimed, killed, murdered by Afghani terrorists. Where's the world? Where's the outrage? Where's everybody tweeting out condemnation? Where, 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 where is our leadership of the world? Where are they? They're nowhere to be found because there's no Jew involved. And if there's no Jew involved, it doesn't make the news. If Israel isn't involved, it doesn't make the news. It comes back to Al-Quds Day. What is Al-Quds Day? It's just a hate fest. And why do they do this kind of hate fest? Because the Arabs themselves cannot turn inwards against their own leadership because they know what will happen to them. 
you know, they won't treat them with gloves, you know, with gentle arms, with gloves. They'll be shooting, murders, maim. It'll be done within, you know, half a day. It's over. We know what happened in Syria when the Palestinians tried to rise against, you know, the, the Syrian regime. The next day he walked in and wiped down an entire Palestinian village off the map. Never existed again. Where's the outrage? No outrage. You know, Jews trying to rightfully claim their own place in their own homeland is somehow seen by the outside world as some big injustice to everybody else. And, but that is what Jew hate is. And that's why I've said from the beginning, you know, this is what it is. Coming back for a second to, to left-wing Jews, the self-haters, as we like to call them, the kapos, the griffers, the whatever you want to call them. You know, for many of them, it's, it's, it's a defense mechanism in some bizarre, perverted way. And for many others, this is the only time in their life where they're going to have any sense of power and credibility. These are the people that went through school, that went through many other places without having that power, that sense of power. This gives them a sense of power, you know, when they can stand in front of something and speak at a certain voice, you know, it, it, they feel that sense of uh, that moment, that euphoric sense of, hey, I've got power here. And, and sometimes, you know, you start believing your own lies, right? Hitler was said, if you tell a lie long enough, it becomes a truth. So if you tell yourself long enough something, eventually it becomes your truth. And then you can't get away from that truth. I've been at many, many, many anti-Israel protests here in Winnipeg. I've flown out to Toronto to participate in the Al-Quds protests. And I've seen hate, you know, firsthand. And I've seen these self-hating Jews firsthand. What's interesting about them is when you pull them aside one, one to one and you start having a conversation with them without having all of their managers around them and all the other Jew haters around them, you can find that they don't have a lot of ground to stand on in their arguments with you about Israel and about the Jewish right to Israel. It's only when they're surrounded by their group that they all of a sudden they feel this empowerment or this need all of a sudden to be part of it. And, and I think it's something that our Jewish community has done for generations. And until we as Jews are willing to look inwards and, and, and start to call them out for lack of a better word, those people within our community are causing us harm, this will not change. Because maybe in Israel, it's not a problem and I agree. But outside in the diaspora, it's a real problem. BDS in the diaspora is not about making sure somebody doesn't buy Coke in Israel. It's making sure that the Jewish store in Toronto doesn't get to make money. It's making sure that a Jewish student doesn't get to go to university. It's making sure that the Jewish community doesn't feel safe in Canada. It has nothing to do with Israel. It has everything to do with Jew hate locally here. Yep. And that's why we fight BDS locally here. I'm not worried about whether or not somebody's going to buy Coke in Israel. I'm worried about whether or not a Jewish store in Toronto is going to be shut down. I'm worried about whether kids in Toronto can go to university and feel safe. One of my own children in Canada should be able to walk proudly as Jews, not hide their kippah, not hide their chai, not hide them again, David, you know, and stand proudly for who they are. That's why I go out every time and I face these people head on and I will do it until the day I die. This is the hill I'm willing to fight for. I'm an Israeli. I'm a proud Israeli. I'm a Jew. I'm a proud Jew. I'm a proud citizen of this world. And I'm an indigenous, indigenous person to the land of Israel. This, this right here, is my grandfather's <laughs> British passport for Palestine. I'm a Palestinian too, if you want to say that, okay? Golda Meir herself said, you know, when the British mandate was in Palestine, there wasn't Jews, Arabs, and Palestinians. There were Jews and Arabs, and they were both Palestinian under the Palestinian mandate. So we got to start calling this bullshit out for what it is. You know that for in the 1940s, and 1920s, 1930s, being called a Palestinian was an insult to an Arab. It was an insult. They used it to call Jews. That's what they called Jews, Palestinians. 
<laughs> the first boycott of Israeli goods was a boycott of Palestinian Jewish goods. But the world doesn't care about facts because feelings trump facts sometimes. And I'm all about facts and not about feelings. I said what I had to say, and I'll give it back to you guys. Okay, so Brian, come on, because I understand you only have uh, a yeah, few, few moments. I didn't want to sound like I was minimizing uh, BDS <clears throat> from the point of view. I, I, I really I do understand. And, and BDS is targeting our children in the diaspora, yes. especially, who are weak. Uh, not weak. Um, they're, they're just their children. It, it's really hard to keep children in line. They, they do whatever their parents don't want them to do. <clears throat> and in this instance, that's... You know that it's fertile ground and the problem with living outside of israel and you know i felt this you know my kids were very very young uh, by the time i already left england but i already knew what's very difficult to do is bring up a sort of secular but jewish child in the diaspora you can be very very religious that's sort of easy you put yourself in a little closed community and you 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 follow Judaism, you do all of that. But to be culturally Jewish, but not ultra-Orthodox in the diaspora today is getting harder and harder and harder. And that's the target of BDS. I've also got my cancelled, well, you know, I do have a current British passport, but, but because we're Jews, you can't give up yeah. passports. And in fact, I'm looking now at reclaiming a German citizenship because, you know, now that the British have left the EU, perhaps I need a German passport. Um, but... <laughs> the, you know, we've got to have options. We've got to have options. But, hey, but I'm still... hey, this is my German. This is my German heritage right there. So it's like all exactly. good. Exactly. So I, I, I'm eligible for German, so my kids are. So you know, I'll get them the passport. But but the point is, is very. I understand, and and I minimize BDS because sometimes we need to tell ourselves. We need to understand. We are, we've won to a certain degree, but we have to keep fighting the same battle. Uh, and you know that you know, you know the battle the, the battle today is not for the state of Israel I am not worried for the state of Israel when I go to sleep at right. night and put my head on my pillow I have no worry about whether the state of Israel will survive 50 years 100 years 200 years my fear is for my Jewish community outside of Israel my fear is for my own children my fear is for what kind of world are they coming into outside of Israel when the Arab world is coming closer and closer to Israel the Western world is going farther and farther away from Israel and that's what bothers me, you know, and that's what I fight for every day, you know, is to ensure that my children have an equal right in Canada, in the diaspora, to be Jews and to be proud Jews and to be proud Zionistic Jews without having to feel some kind of shame for saying I'm indigenous to the land of Israel. You know, my family goes six generations in the land of Israel. My family lived in Hebron in the 1929 pogroms when, the, when they were kicked out of Hebron and made their way into Jerusalem and made Jerusalem our home. Six generations of my family lived in Israel, were expelled out of Hebron, you know. And even, and, and this is something that Ryan makes very clear, even if you're a convert, if you're Jewish, you're indigenous to Israel because it's the culture, it's the land, it's the language. Blood That's is one element of it. And continuous inhabitation by your particular bloodline is not relevant. You know, one of our... I go to the beach almost every Saturday here and we, we sit with the, the, the lifeguards because my father-in-law's longtime surfer, a whole big story. We sit up in the lifeguard, my kids are surfing and stuff. The lifeguard, uh, the particular station we're at is a Yemeni, he's, his family's from Yemen. Now, it, and he's a you know proper Yemeni. In fact, they've, all, they've made a TV commercial almost parodying this thing. 
but he is this dark skin, big head, surfer, ripped muscles. That's another Jew. And he, the, the, the community that he came, that, that, that came from Yemen, which is now gone. I think the last Yemeni Jew has left. That was more indigenous to Yemen than Islam. The Yemeni Jewish community has been in it in Yemen since well before Islam existed. But today, Yemen is called an Islamic country. It's not. The Yemeni Jewish community was in, you know, had strong indigenous ties to Yemen, but they've, they, they had to leave. They've left. They've brought themselves to Israel. They're maintaining a kind of a Yemeni Israeli thing going on. They've got their food. They've got you know there's 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 another that's just another aspect of jewish culture but it doesn't matter that I, his family has I spent agree with you. a millennia and a half out of israel I, I israel agree with is you. still there this, indigenous this is my grandfather okay this is my grandfather right here this is my grandfather german okay yeah german you can see him in nazi uniforms okay my mother converted to judaism i'm a proud jew i'm an unapologetic jew this same grandfather that I just showed in the picture saved Jewish lives. I will write his story one day to explain what he did. He was conscripted into, into the German army. This is his papers that he got after the war showing that he was a victim of Nazism. My mother converted to Judaism. She moved to Israel. She's the most Zionistic person I know in the world. I agree with you. Zionism and an indigenuity to Israel does not have to do just with bloodline. But I can follow my own bloodline, That's not fantastic. just my mother's cultural, you know, my mother or my dad being culturally Jewish. I can follow my own bloodline. I just finished doing my DNA test. I'm over 9% Middle Eastern Jew. I'm as indigenous as it comes to the land of Israel, you know, and that's what I'm trying to tell people. That's that's my fight. That That's why I wake up every day. It's the purpose of what I do, what I do. That's why we started the J.ca. We found that there is no unapologetic, Zionistic, pro-Israel, English publication in Canada or for that matter anywhere in the diaspora that is willing to stand up on that principle. We will not have not a single article in our publication that's going to be, you know, anything against Israel. It's not going to happen. You know, there needs to be more people like us who are standing up, who are proud to be Zionistic, who are proud to be pro-Israel. There'll be more people like, like Ryan out there. And there are many people like Ryan out there who I know, you know, who support our community. We need to have more people show up at Al-Quds in Toronto on our side. By the way, if anybody is watching from Federation, from Bnei Brit, from Simon Wiesenthal, from any of those organizations, this Monday there's a protest against the Jewish community, against Israel in Toronto, outside Israeli consulate. Are you going to show up and defend our people? Are you? And the answer is going to be clear. Two letters. No. And that's the problem with our leadership. Let's bring uh, Ryan on. Hey, it's just, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I really have too much to add, but I, I just want to bring it all back. Like, I want to circle back to Al-Quds Day just because that, that's really what we're supposed to talk about today. We have, like, there's a plurality of, of voices on this panel. Uh, the original panel actually was supposed to be even more pluralistic. It was going to have a real spectrum all the way from, yeah. like, you know, different political belief systems all the way to what we would consider to be some of the more extreme ones on our side. But the bottom line is that we all believe in one thing, and that's Jewish self-determination on Jewish ancestral land. We think that that's something that should be celebrated and not called a Nakba, not called a tragedy. 
You know, we, we, we believe in that. And all of us believe that very firmly. And I think that the biggest problem that we face is that people that, that don't really have much education about this, which unfortunately means pretty much everybody. Like, I, I'm not just talking about non-Jews either. Like, I, I, I totally understand when a non-Jewish person says something to me that suggests that they don't even realize that Jews have 3,000 years of presence in their ancestral home. I mean, I don't expect them to know better. I kind of think to myself, well, you know, your own Bible kind of tells you, but at the same time, it doesn't really impact them. So I understand, you know, like I, I understand why it's, it's not that important to them. But when, when actually Jewish people come up to me and make really, really poor arguments and tell me that Jews don't really have a connection, I feel like telling them, don't try to project your lack of connection to your ancestral land and to your, to your people and your culture on every other Jewish person, because I've met Jews from the former Soviet Union who, who forcibly had their religion completely ripped away from them. And they had no choice because they were living in the Soviet Union. And yet some of those people are the most Zionist and the most Jewish people I know because that same Soviet Union that tore away their religion made sure to remind them every single day that they were Jewish. And they didn't do it in a gentle or kind way. They, they were very, very anti-Semitic. So those people, even though they lost something that belongs to them, they lost their spirituality, they didn't lose their Jewishness, right? Now, the, the people in America, some of them are the opposite, where they became so comfortable that they assimilated. And when they assimilated, they started to see themselves more as Americans than as Jews. And because they wanted to maintain that whole internalized self-view, they want to see themselves as American. They think of themselves as no different than any other American. So in, in, what, I, what they end up doing is they end up pushing that on, on everybody else. So they say, well, Israel's not that important because there's a lot of Jews living in America. Or they say, you know, Jews that stand up for other Jews are a problem because they make anti-Semitism worse. Or they say, Israel is causing anti-Semitism because those Jews over there won't shut up and won't stop defending themselves. I mean, those are the kind of things that we're seeing over and over again. And I, I read one of the comments here. It says, if Israel's going to get the support of the young Jews here in the USA, they need to hear from other young Jews in Israel. But part of the problem is that a lot of young Jews in Israel, they're just living their lives. Because the truth is, it is less anti-Semitic in Israel. You can walk around as a Jewish person and you, you might not experience anti-Semitism at all. And I have friends with young kids and their kids have told me I've never experienced that stuff. Meanwhile, their parents, like one of my good friends, Carol, she's in the Jerusalem Police Department. Her daughter said, I've never experienced anti-Semitism in my entire life. And Carol looked at her and said, that's because we live in Israel. She's like, when I lived in America, I can tell you stories about when I was a kid, but I wanted to protect you from that. And I think that sometimes Jewish people do too good of a job protecting their kids from stuff like that. And then their kid goes to university and all of a sudden, boom, BDS activists, anti-Semitism right in your face, telling you that Jews don't have the same rights as other people. Absolutely. Al we say when, 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 when one of my kids gets a bad mark at school, you know, I turn to my wife and yeah. say, anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's exactly, that. you know, like, uh, the, 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 it's, it's true though like you know like we, we we've gotten you know like we are getting weaker we we're, and this this goes for everybody my dad teases me all the time that i became a city person because i lived in the city for over 20 years and now i'm not nearly as strong as i used to be when i lived here so i mean we have to toughen up 
we have to start teaching our kids to be stronger, not just in their identity, but as people. And I mean, sometimes that means standing up when it's not comfortable. It means speaking out when somebody says something really idiotic about Jews. You know, but, the difference between between Jews who live in, in the United States and Jews who live in Israel, and there's a show now on Israeli TV, and Brian might have watched it, uh, The New Jew, it's called. It's a three or four part series where they go back to the United States and they try to discover what are these differences between Jews living in Israel today and Jews living in the United States and what uh, unifies us in, in many ways. And one of the interesting things I found in the show was when they talked to one of the Jews in the United States and says to him, what's the difference? He says, you know, Jews in Israel, you know, the religion is Judaism. Jews in the United States, the religion is liberalism. Hmm. You know, and that in a nutshell tells you the difference between Jews in Israel and, yep. and Jews in the United States. Jews in Israel, you know, have to be Jew. It's a survive. It's a whole different mindset living in Israel than living in the United States. And that divide, that ocean that divides us is not just a metaphoric ocean of, of, of water. It's also an ocean of philosophy, ideology. And like you said, Brian, feeling comfortable living in the United States. And Ryan said the same thing, you know, the comfort level. You know, you feel that that's what you want to be. You're assimilating, you know, and then liberalism becomes your new mantra. Tikkun olam is what they call it. I call it liberalism. Yeah. But if you listen to all the, you know, Jews, left-leaning Jews in the United States, that's their religion is tikkun olam. If they can only fix the world, you know, if they can be allies to the Black Lives Matter, even though Black Lives Matter is a very anti-Semitic organization, somehow they're saving the Jewish community. You know, the Federation here in Winnipeg wouldn't come out to a protest against Linda Sarsour when she came to Winnipeg because they claimed it happens on Shabbat and they don't, you know, God forbid you save Jews on Shabbat, just like, you know, if a war broke in Israel on Shabbat, the Jews would call and say, sorry, we can't fight until Sunday, you know, because it's Shabbat, but they wouldn't show up. But, you know, when Black Lives Matter had their protest here in Winnipeg on a Friday night into Shabbat, guess who were the people in our community who asked the community to come out to the protest? Federation leadership, come out on Friday on Shabbat. Come out and walk with our allies, the Black Lives Matter. But when it comes to defending our own people, sorry, we can't do it. It's Shabbat and we know it's, it's outside of our regulations. And it's, you know, what happened to Pikuach Nefesh, you know, which is supposed to be the number one mitzvah but above all, right? Isn't this Pikuach Nefesh when you come out and, and, and you support the state of Israel? You support 100%. the Jewish people? Isn't saving one Jewish life like saving the entire world? Ron, I'm only going to interrupt you to say this. Yeah. Because I've seen Mayor... And this is why I get so annoyed with sometimes with Jewish people when they say, well, I can't come out on Shabbat. Yeah. Mayor, Mayor is a religious Jew. He's observant. And I know this because I've been friends with the guy for a long time. When when the other side was doing things on Saturday downtown, I've seen Mayor rent an apartment. Correct. So that he Correct. could not mess up with Shabbat. I've seen Correct. him spend a ton of his own money and time making an effort so that he could be there for the Jewish community on a Saturday. And meanwhile, I know a lot of people that are non-observant Jews in Toronto, and they didn't show up. So I think that there's a lot more of this. Like, it's something that definitely, I think the whole, there should be a whole show about it. We should be talking about why is it that some people use that as an excuse. But I, I got to get going here right away. But I just want to say one thing, and I'm, and I'm really glad to see you guys on here because, I mean, not only are we all friends, and it's, nice to, it's always nice to get to be face-to-face -face with your friends, but, I mean, like, I think that the biggest problem that I'm seeing is not so much that uh, that there aren't anybody that wants to fight. The problem is I think that a lot of people feel isolated and alone. They feel like if they're standing up, they're standing up by themselves. And I think that's why shows like this are going to end up being incredibly valuable because they need to see that other people think the way they think. 
that we feel the way they feel and that we're willing to stand up. And, you know, like I, I see people talking about, like, I read the Jewish state by Herzl. Is that a fair statement of what Zionism is? Those are the kinds of things that we need to start educating better. Like, I, I always tell people, look, like Herzl made Zionism sound like it was colonialist because he was appealing to a colonialist uh, group. Like he was trying to get the British to support the Jews going back because the British at the time were in control. So you're not going to go to the British and say, hey, by the way, we know you're a colonial power, but we're indigenous people that want to return to our indigenous land and you should support that. Because no colonialist in his right mind is going to say, oh yeah, we should we should totally make an example of what happens when colonial when, when indigenous people return to their ancestral homeland and achieve self-determination, because that'll be really good for us. Like, right. we, we have to be able to educate people on that. We got to start speaking up. And I'm just going to end it, like, I'll end my stuff, sorry for being so long-winded, but this Al-Quds Day bullshit. We need to fight that. And we need to hold the Toronto government to account mm -hmm. because they have said on multiple occasions that if there was actual anti-Semitism, that they would no longer allow Al-Quds Day. And yet, when we were there, right. Mayor, we have video evidence of them talking about genocide. We have proof that they had some outside people making professionally made signs. that, And half of those signs said stuff that was incredibly anti-Semitic. And they closed off streets so that those people could march down the street after saying that they weren't going to do that. So we need to start holding the mayor of Toronto accountable. The mayor of Calgary needs to be held accountable for allowing their Al-Quds Day bullshit there. The mayor in Winnipeg. Anywhere where these, these Al-Quds Day protests are being held, we need to start holding those people accountable. And we need to start holding our communities accountable to come out and speak against this stuff too, because quite frankly, it's anti-Semitic and I'm tired of it. And, I, and I'm, I'm just not having it anymore. Okay, this is what the media is reporting from Temple now. Now, let me simplify things for you. This weekend was the last Friday of Ramadan. Unfortunately, Every Ramadan, there are radical Palestinians who are calling for violence, riots, and clash with the Israeli police on Temple Mount. The very police, by the way, that protects Muslim worshippers every week. This Friday, Palestinian rioters were throwing rocks and firing fireworks at the Israeli police, and then they ran to hide inside Al-Aqsa Mosque from the police. Now let me ask you this question. If you throw rocks at police officers and then you run to hide from them in your church, mosque or synagogue, you are not only breaking the law by attacking the police, but you are also desecrating a holy place. Because then the police is going to enter the holy site in order to arrest you and bring you to justice. And of course, these Palestinian radicals are experts in Palawood, so they make sure to film every second of it and then post it online, blaming Israel for breaking into the mosque and for clashing with innocent people, completely distorting the truth. Let me tell you something. These radicals have no respect to their own mosque. They throw rocks at the police from the mosque, and not only at the police, they throw rocks and items over the Western Wall to hit Jewish worshippers as well. They store rocks inside the mosque. Listen, they are not protesting, they are calling to murder Jews. Last Friday, they sang at the Temple Mount songs that call for Hamas to fire rockets at Tel Aviv. Instead of keeping Al-Aqsa holy, they make it political. Instead of respecting Al-Aqsa as a place of worship, they use Al-Aqsa as a stronghold from which they attack Israeli police. 
because they know that such videos and pictures will cause an outrage in the global media. Al-Aqsa is not holy to these radical Palestinians, but it suddenly becomes holy to them when they can use it against Israel. We have seen videos of Palestinians disrespectfully playing with a ball at the Dome of the Rock Ward. The Palestinian media is quick to report when Palestinians are injured in these clashes, but they are quiet when Palestinians are murdered by other Palestinians. They were silent when Mariam Al-Takouri, a 21-year-old Palestinian, was killed on her way back home in East Jerusalem when a stray bullet fired by Arabs during a fight between themselves hit her. Or what about the 280,000 displaced Palestinians in Syria? They couldn't care less. This is hypocrisy. Their hate for Israel is greater than their love for their own people and children. Listen, 17 police officers were injured in these clashes, with approximately half of them needing hospital treatment. Take a look at the face of this IDF soldier who got hit by a rock thrown at him by Palestinians in Samaria this week. Rocks can kill, but thankfully he is recovering. I stand with our police. It is the same police that makes sure that thousands of Muslim worshippers can attend Al-Aqsa Mosque and pray every Friday. The same police that protects Muslim worshippers, Christian worshippers, and Jewish worshippers. They do not act in any racist way. On the contrary, many of the Israeli policemen are Arab, Muslim, Christian, and Druze. I support the Israeli police because every police would have done the same thing when dealing with violence that can kill. Please share this video. Don't let those radicals lie to the world. Well, listen, um, we got a lot of work to do yeah. while we're here, and we still got to roll up our sleeves and take care of business. Uh, we have the issue with the uh, uh, Canadian Human Rights uh, Museum mm -hmm. or Canadian Museum of Human Rights in Winnipeg that um, Isha Khan, the CEO, uh, seems to have, uh, seems to be very sympathetic to the BDS campaign to get the uh, Nakba exhibit there. So we're gonna be having a uh, meeting with her and we're gonna ask her specifically uh, what uh, Palestinian groups she has met with and what Jewish groups she have has met with. Uh, are they people who believe in the Intifada? Mm -hmm. Are they mm -hmm. people who believe in Al-Quds Day? Um, that have connections with Al Quds Day. Um, we need answers to these. Uh, are, are, you know, are they willing to condemn um, Islamic Jihad, Hamas, Hezbollah, the laundry list of terrorist organizations? Uh, are they will? Are they ready to condemn the statement that uh, the Babylonians destroyed the uh, uh, first Jewish presence and the temple in uh, Jerusalem, uh, the first temple and uh, that their goal is to destroy the uh, uh, Jewish presence now, what they call right. the Zionist presence now. Uh, are these the kind, is this the mindset that you're moving with and you want to put us on the same level with that to score some kind of points? Well, I met with that Jewish group as well. Is, is that how it is? We're not going to let you off the hook. We need answers right now. We need to know where you're coming from. And if you're not fit for the job, you should not have that position as Absolutely. CEO of that museum because if you're going to play games on the issue of anti-Semitism, we're not going to let anyone off the hook. 
Yeah, That's we, the bottom line. We're going to be pressing, pressing it. Ron, of course, is uh, is helping as well, too. Yeah. I mean, he's right on there. Ron, you want to jump in on this for a sec? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, we have a meeting next week, as the uh, mayor mentioned, with uh, Isha Khan to discuss exactly the issues of Nakba, which ties very much into the whole Al-Qutbay, you know, nonsense and everything else that comes out of there. You know, it's a, uh, you know, our meeting is, is, is going to be exactly as the mayor said. We want to find out who she met with, who she had discussions with, you know, what, the, what, where are they along the process? What is their position and the, and the museum's position about the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism? Are they going to adopt it? Will she come out with a statement adopting the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism? What is their stance about the 850,000 Jews who were forcibly expelled out of Arab land? You know, how do they see that in, in the view of things? What is their position on what's going on currently in, 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 in the state of Israel? What is the position, as the mayor said, about Hamas, Islamic Jihad? Are they aware of the fact that the people that are spearheading the push to have the Nakba brought into the museum, mm -hmm. the very mm -hmm. same people are in support of um, Islamic Jihad, Hamas, and others? I provided mayor, and mayor himself has had um, many screenshots of tweets and others from people who are involved in the push to get the Nakba into the museum. And these tweets clearly show an anti Semitic. Um, and viewpoint, and not just about Israel, but about um, Jews as a whole. So we'll continue to hold them um, accountable and we'll do whatever um, it takes to ensure that the Nakba does not make it into the museum. And uh, because I think this, like many other ways, is their attempt to Trojan horse the Nakba into Canadian society and then use that as some kind of the next, you know, border or line from where they're going to push uh, forward. Yeah. And if the Nakba gets accepted by a museum of human rights, the news has said that the Nakba wasn't a genocide and ethnic cleansing. And there you go. The Jews are terrible people. The Zionists are awful. You know, and who cares about the narrative and the actual facts of what happened? And and Mayor knows as well. You know, we've done lots of research. We know about the, the close relationship between the Mufti and, and Hitler and the Nazis. We know about their visits to concentration camps that were functioning at the time. We know about them sending agents to look at how concentration camps were being built to see if they can import that into uh, Palestine. We know that we're looking at getting the final um, solution brought to, to Palestine. We know they were pushing um, Hitler for the Arabia Accord, which was the accord that would allow them to have free hand to do with the Jews as they see fit. This was everything that was leading up to 1948. This rhetoric about, you know, killing the Jews, genocide against the Jews, extermination of the Jews, close relationships and friendships with, with the Nazis. You know, this is what led up to 1948. This is what led up to the war. Even then, the Jews said, we're willing to take the partition. You know, give us our chunk of land. We'll yep. be happy with it. Yep. You know, and that wasn't good enough for the Jew haters. They wanted everything. They want to exterminate the Jews. This yep. is the story that needs to be told to Isha Khan. And that's a story that must be told. But those are the facts. And I'm a big believer of facts over feelings. Absolutely. Listen, I want to thank uh, thank you, Ron. I'll thank everyone who joined us today. Unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, we couldn't have a connection properly with Mark Marzell from Hebron, and he was in Jerusalem celebrating at the uh, uh, yeshiva of Rabbi Kahana, in fact, uh, or Harayon yeshiva. He sent me a video, I haven't looked at it yet, of celebration. I think there was some uh, good wishes to be conveyed to us from uh, new Knesset member Itamar ben Gavur, who's doing a lot of work, rolling Great up his job. sleeves. He's doing some good stuff. Uh, you know, we, we wish him all the best. We wish all of them all the best to speak up and get the truth out there because uh, the other side is, I'm not saying effective, 
you know, we know the, the media, I mean, the world let it happen to us uh, during the Holocaust. And we know that uh, we can't count on the world anyways. And that's why Israel is tremendously successful because they got it through their heads. We just have to do. Yep. And they did. Yep. Uh, but, you know, they're speaking the truth. Uh, Itzmar ben Gavor and others are speaking the truth, doing what they have to do and drawing attention to uh, the obscenity what's going on in the uh, uh, eastern part of Jerusalem with the rioting. The rioting, you know, on, on Temple Mount, there, uh, there's there's all the evidence there yep. of rocks and firebombs and Molotov cocktails. From the top down to yeah, a, and throwing a it down where the Kotel yep. is uh, to throw, to shoo Jews away from praying at the Kotel. These are people who believe in freedom of mm -hmm. religion, right? Yeah, give me a break. Yep. Uh, we're going to keep speaking the truth and getting it out there. And thank God we have this uh, vehicle yes. here. And we'll have people on from Israel, from wherever. And I just want to thank everyone for joining us. Thank you, Ron, for joining Absolutely. us. Yeah. Everyone Absolutely. else who joined us, Ryan and Brian. And we had uh, on the phone, on speakerphone, Daniel, uh, Daniel from uh, Jerusalem. And he was at the hotel. He was giving us the information. Hopefully people uh, watching the show were able to hear them uh, as clear as possible. Uh, we get the word out there. We get the truth out there. And that's what we're about, the truth, the emet. And I want to thank Gary in the studio for doing a terrific job. The best. Making us uh, terrific. So thank you very much to F everyone. Folks, uh, 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 happy Mother's Day. Uh, again, please, you know, we do have this vehicle. It's very important. Of yeah. course, our enemies hate this. Uh, please share this so we can get the real narrative, the truth and narrative out. So uh, our, our children are not going to be poisoned, you know, uh, like they are being poisoned in schools right now. Please share, share, share. And uh, happy Mother's Day. Happy, happy Mother's, Mother's Day, everybody. Happy I do Quick, quick little Mother's Day. And I need to tell you about a okay. woman. And this is basically Regine who is in her 90s presently alive and well, living with her son. And in, uh, in, at her younger years, she spent her childhood hiding from the Nazis in occupied France with no training, no background whatsoever. She became mm -hmm. a nightclub singer and then she became a nightclub manager at Paris's Whiskey A Go-Go. She laid down a large dance floor, suspended multicolor flashing lights from the ceiling and personally operated two record players so there would be no breaks in the music. She is attributed with the invention of the modern day discotheque, the first dynamic, exciting atmosphere with lights, music, dancing, and where the music didn't stop. Before that, they had disc jockeys or jukeboxes. All of a sudden, she figured out if you have two turntables, music doesn't stop. In 1957, she opened Chez Regine in a Latin Quarter. And by the 1970s, there were 25 clubs in three continents with her name on it. So without any further ado, and ado will mean farewell in a little bit, but right now ado means without any wasting time, which I've done enough of, I'm going to play a little song of her singing, a song special for Mother's Day. Die ganze Welt 